Hello, and welcome to another episode of Outlier Academy's Playbook series, where each week we sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into the tactics, routines, and habits that got them to the top of their game and keep them there, all in less than 30 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I sit down with Edward Sullivan, who is the CEO and managing partner of Velocity Coaching. Velocity has a team of over 25 coaches located around the world, and they work with the world's best hypergrowth founders to help them scale their companies and their leadership skills through that crucial 10 to 100x growth phase. Velocity has worked with almost all of the biggest names in tech, including DoorDash, Masterclass, Airtable, Google, and even Apple. You can find the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 93. And you can learn more about Velocity Coaching at velocitycoaching.com. And you can also follow Edward Sullivan on Twitter at Edward L. Sullivan. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Edward Sullivan, managing partner and CEO of Velocity Coaching. Edward Sullivan, thank you so much for joining me again on Outlier Academy. So happy to be here. So this should be fun. This is a little bit shorter, a little bit fast paced. So let's go ahead and get started. The first question is always about a recent fascination. And so looking for something that you can't stop thinking about, you can't get out of your head. What is that (laughs) these days? I would say it has to be surfing over pandemic. Surfing in New York? So, So here's the story. Over pandemic in 2020, I got essentially trapped in California. It's a fancy, great place to be trapped, actually. I was there on a ski trip with some friends on March 11th. And on March 13th, you know, flights were canceled and New York basically shut down. So I ended up staying in California for nine months with nothing more than the clothes I had packed on a ski trip. I rented a place in Santa Barbara for six months, bought myself a surfboard and relearned to surf. I surfed a lot as a kid and in my uh, 20s, but not so much in the last probably like 20 years. So now, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, I've got three surfboards in the corner here in my apartment in New York and another two surfboards um, back in California. I've just become completely obsessed. (laughs) That's a great thing to become obsessed with. (laughs) When you think about your superpowers, what are those and how do those show up day to day? I would say my superpowers are first and foremost, empathy. You know, I think that I have a almost weird ability sometimes of understanding what people are feeling sometimes before they understand what they're feeling. And um, it can be a little bit confronting for people if I give myself the permission to name it, but it can also establish really great connections really quickly. Yeah. And I also have a special gift for having small barbecues on my roof here in the West village. And my friends <laughs> well, that sounds are, great. <laughs> have, are just waiting for spring and summer to come. We're close. We're getting close-ish. On the flip side of that, what do you feel like you struggle with personally? And I think what we're trying to get at here is, one, get people to be open about the thing, you know, not all, just about what they're good at, but also about what they struggle with, but also to kind of share with others how they've struggled, how they've improved, how they've worked around it. What comes to mind when you think of that? Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to mind when you say struggle, and it is, uh, I think, a struggle for many is... Throughout my life, I've had episodes of depression, to be very honest. And that is sometimes related to incidents or events after a breakup, or um, I got a little depressed after the death of my father. But it's something I think that actually unifies us 
as a species, right? I think we're all inherently emotional people and to not talk about the fact that it makes it harder for others, right? Um, we don't have to go through the sad times alone. I also thought a little bit about isolation is one of those things I struggle with. It's been hard during the pandemic to feel isolated from friends and family. I'm a very social person. I mentioned on our last time I recorded, I have like 500 friends in New York only because I just love people. So to feel that isolation over the last couple of years has been hard. And um, I have found, I think, a lot of solace in the outdoors. I found a lot of solace surfing, right? And just taking really long walks. On the habit and routine side, what habits have you played around with and or do you have a daily routine? And if you do, how dialed in is that? And that can be everything from here's the things I do every single day, which uh, maybe who you are. I'm guessing it's probably not. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> here's the things I try sometimes. Here's the things that often work for me. What do you do on with habits and routines that help you show up at your best each day? I mean, I will admit, and it might be sound sacrilegious um, given, you know, the the current way things are going with, with habits and atomic habits and everything else, I'm really bad with habits. I'm really bad with morning routines. I used to have a religious mindfulness habit. I've got a little bit off of it recently. One habit that is completely unshakable is my morning coffee. Uh, I go to the coffee shop across the street and they, I walk in and they're already making it. They can see me through the window. My eight ounce cappuccino at Partners at uh, Charles and 7th Avenue. I'm learning actually as the company grows that I need to be better about certain habits. So I'm getting developing much better hygiene around following up, better hygiene around using our CRM and doing all those like nitty gritty things that are simply the, the cost of running a growing business. I coach around all these habits and coach around, coach people who are running much bigger businesses than I run at this point, but I still have to work on it. On the fitness side, what's your approach to diet, exercise, and sleep? And how have those evolved over time? I try to, how have they evolved over time? I didn't have any habits around exercise, um, diet, or sleep until like my mid-30s. And I was actually working as the executive vice president of communications and government affairs at a solar company at that point. And I was wearing a suit to work every day. It was a very formal office. And... I was like having three cups of coffee a day and three cookies and that didn't have any time to work out. And I took my, my suit pants down to the tailor on the corner and I handed them to him to, you know, make these bigger. Like I was giving up, right? I was like, <laughs> I'm officially giving up to middle age. And as he walked into the back with my pants, I said, wait, bring them back. I'm going to change my habits around this. So I started um, every time I wanted coffee, every time I wanted a cookie, I would do 10 push-ups behind my desk. And then 10 turned into 20, then 20 turned into 50. And pretty soon, you know, the head of HR was like, Edward, have you been working out? And it was like that one bit of positive feedback, like completely changed my attitude towards fitness the rest of my life. So since then, maybe I am decent at some habits. Since then, I've been fairly good at eating less carbs. I'm not keto. I just eat less. I work out three to five times a week and I try to get as much sleep as I can, but it's hard running a company. It's hard traveling and it's hard in New York. Yeah. I imagine it was really difficult that first time you tried to do 10 push-ups instead of eating that cookie. <laughs> I couldn't do 10 push-ups. I felt so pathetic. It was amazing. I hadn't, hadn't exercised in literally years. Yeah. Um, aside from doing a couple of marathons, which doesn't do much for your upper body strength. No, 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 no. That, that, that does not. 
Okay, favorite books. What books have had the biggest impact on the ways you work or think? And if you can't think of any, I think the way I would reframe that is books that often come up in conversations with clients. <laughs> mm, yeah. Obviously, writing our book had an incredible impact on how I think. Um, I hope eventually someone mentions it in one of these interviews as having an impact on them. I've really enjoyed in the last couple of years, is it permission to be uh, to be disliked? That's yes. Courage to be disliked. Courage to be disliked. Really enjoyed that. I go back to flow a lot. And I also go back to just about anything by Alan Watts. I have uh, most of his books, um, some of them that within arm's grasp at, at any moment, you know, so I, I do a lot of just short reading with Alan Watts just to keep myself connected. I typically wouldn't do this, but no one on the podcast has brought up the courage to be disliked. And it's a book that I know, I don't know a lot of people that have read it, but the people that have read it love it and refer it. And so, it, you know, it has a very high net promoter score for people that have gotten all the way through the book, <laughs> which is a good thing. Can you just try to do even just, a, you know, in a short bit of justice, what you found profound about the book and, and why you thought it was so important? As a lifelong people pleaser, right? As someone who was the class clown growing up and student body president in high school and blah, blah, blah. Someone who always was looking for allocates to read a volume that gave me permission to say no, gave me permission to be contrarian, that gives me a way of thinking about the world in which my values should come first, as opposed to my interest in going with the, uh, going with the flow or being liked. It's just profound. It's a great job. And it's a good reminder that I need to actually finish that book because I started it, but I've never finished it. I need to remember the title. (laughs) (laughs) On the personal growth side, one of the questions that we always ask is for a favorite failure. And I think what we're trying to get at there is, you know, in life, we attempt a lot and there's a lot of things that don't work out as intended, but that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't a great thing to do. And we don't find ourselves in a better place for having tried or, or having, you know, tried and failed. Do you have any favorite failures? Do any stories come to mind? (laughs) The one story that comes to mind when I talk about failures, just because it was so spectacular. Coming out of my work in solar, I um, organized a conference in California to bring scientists in from all over the world to talk about climate change and to talk specifically about carbon sequestration. And as a result of that, there was talk of investing in potentially risky, but, you know, potentially ultimately needed needed more now today than it was 10 years ago when we did this conference of geoengineering and carbon sequestration technology. Who was going to fund that? Someone from Richard Branson's Carbon War Room was at this conference and I developed a relationship with him. And I developed this entire pitch deck for putting together basically the world's first venture fund to support very high risk carbon sequestration technology. I did all the research put together the model, put together the deck, did a preliminary pitch to this guy. And he said, okay, so Sir Richard is ready to hear your presentation. It's going to be, what time was it? Let's say 11 in the afternoon, London time, which was five in the morning or four in the morning when I lived in San Francisco. And I was all prepared. I was ready to do it. Went to bed that night, woke up at 9 a.m. that day. And slept right through my presentation with Richard Branson because 
at the time in the iPhone, it was very simple to flip from AM to PM. And I learned a very valuable lesson, which is to set multiple alarms when you're going to talk to Richard Branson in the morning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just All because of an oh, iPhone alarm. <laughs> fabulous. The, that failure. And I did not get a second chance. Yeah. Unfortunately. And when you woke up, did you immediately realize what day it was and what time it was? Like how disappointing Oh, yeah. I, I woke it? up and I, I burst into tears. I did. <laughs> well, that is an amazing story. That's probably the best story that anyone said. So thank you for sharing it. <laughs> Okay, more fun question, and then we'll wrap with the last question. Is all about success, and I think you know what. Um, I have two questions for you. Number one, what does success mean to you now, and how has that definition changed over time? I think success at one point meant that I was, frankly, just living up to someone else's idea of success. You know, I had a title, I was on a career track. I had access to certain powerful people, did a lot of work in politics. I really let some incredible mentors shape my idea of success and ultimately shape my career path up until probably 10 years ago. Since that time, success to me means being able to do what I love. And not only in, in my personal life, but also at work, where there's nothing I could imagine doing aside from working with founders of companies and CEOs and executives who were trying to build you know, the, the great companies of tomorrow. I feel very lucky to be able to do this work. And I also feel very lucky that the work now, at least, is fully digital. So I can do it from just about anywhere. I try to spend every January now in some beautiful place surfing, I try to spend part of February in some beautiful place skiing. And I feel very privileged and very lucky to be able to do that. But to me, that is success doing what you love. And it sounds like having moving into a much more personal definition of what you love as well, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Some of the courage to be disliked in that answer. <laughs> Last question. What are you most grateful for in this phase of your life? I would say I'm grateful for giving fewer fucks. I think... You know, the 20s, 30s, teenage years, there's a lot of giving of fucks. There's a lot of caring what everyone thinks. There's a lot of living up to certain standards, trying to make your father happy, trying to make friends happy, right? And I think some people get to this very early in life. I got to this somewhere around my 40th birthday where I really stopped caring what other people thought. And I started doing what I loved doing and living life the way I wanted to live my life. And I'm a much happier person. And I think I'm much easier to be around. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for the time, Edward. Um, it's been incredible to have you on twice. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find links to everything that we discussed, as well as the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 93. It's 93. For more from Edward, listen to episode 90, where he joins me on our Spotlight series to go deep on coaching the world's best hypergrowth founders, from DoorDash and Masterclass to Google and Apple, including how velocity coaching helps companies transition from product market fit to hypergrowth, scaling their companies 10 to 100x while scaling their leadership skills in parallel. You can find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as best-selling authors and the world's smartest investors at outlieracademy.com. 
You can now also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length interviews as well as our favorite clips from every episode, including this one. For more from our entire team, we hope you enjoyed the show and we hope to see you right here next week on Outlier Academy's Playbook Series.